Talk Show with Mike and Jamie. Welcome back from Quarantine Song 5 to our Manchester Punk Festival memories, Michael. And we certainly did get out the big book of memory lane yesterday and scroll <laughs> and troll through the pages. And we discussed such memories as our Green Day set, um, redacted, fucking off for six hours, um, and having a good time. Now, last year's MPF, Michael... 2019, yeah. or the last MPF, as uh, as it will be known now because of this weird leap year, <laughs> the year that never happened, the year the simulation got shut down. Um, it was a bit different for us. Uh, we famously did our live episode of the radio show, which we don't, which we don't talk about. Oh, God, yeah, forgot about that. Yeah. That was yeah. shit, wasn't it? Yeah, that was stricken from the memories. Um, <laughs> this one was different because uh, we weren't playing, um, but we wanted to be involved regardless because um, it's MPF and it's in our own town and we're a fucking Manchester band. So we were like, yeah, sound. What can we do for you? Um, and they offered us the job of running a stage. And we thought, brilliant, fantastic. Oh, did they? Yeah, <laughs> and did we take that up? We certainly did. We certainly did. Now, we had a responsibility to look after the breast shed um, only for about six hours on one night. Um, I don't think it wasn't even that. I think it was like two hours. It felt like it six. It wasn't long at all. It did feel like six, yeah. But it, I remember it wasn't being as long as we thought because we got told to stop because like, we didn't need to do it anymore. And we thought it was on all night. It turns out we wasn't. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And then we left while well, they were cleaning everything down because we like, we can't be asked for that. Oh, we got there in the morning to help set up as well, didn't we? Oh, yeah, yeah, we did actually, yeah. I remember that. We Because we put the banner up, didn't we? Yeah, we did that in the in the night, didn't we? I don't know. We put a few banners up. We put a banner up for we Tim's stage because we also did Tim's stage, didn't we? Uh, we did Tim's stage on the on the Saturday night because Harry's at Breadshed, didn't we? Yeah, that was, so basically Tim uh, was our... Uh, producer, he recorded uh, Roach and all of our stuff sort of before then and around then. And uh, obviously, uh, Tim passed away, unfortunately, a few years ago. Uh, and MPF were having a stage to commemorate, uh, just to commemorate him, because he was a fucking great lad. And, um, yeah, you know, we weren't playing MPF, so we were a bit gutted that we couldn't be there to play Tim's stage, because we, you know, we were like one of the last bands he recorded with and stuff like that. And, you know, Tim, like... We loved Tim. Like Tim was like he was like one of our mentors. Do you know what I mean? Like he was like an Alex. He was like, like the original Nick Salad, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He because we recorded before we'd done any gigs or anything. So the first person we came in contact with from the punk scene really was Tim, and it was Tim who told us about the punk scene. It was Tim who said, "Oh, go to a TNS gig, go chat to Andy Davis, go chat to Bev." He was like, "They're the yeah. people." He was like, "They're the people you want to talk to." He's like, "That's how you get in the punk scene." So. You know, we were we were a bit gutted um, that we couldn't do anything. Uh, so I said, you know, let's uh, let's have us volunteer, and we did, and it was great. Um, but last year was really interesting because it was the first year since playing that we were sort of semi there as just punters, really. And yeah, it was great because I experienced the festival from in that way of just sort of being there and knocking about yeah. and seeing bands. And it was one of the best weekends that we've had, like, together, by far. Oh, definitely. It was fucking sick. It was fucking brilliant. Goober Patrol, Snuff, Subhumans. It was just a stacked lineup. Oh, mate, it was ridiculous. And it was one of them where 
I didn't really expect it to be because because we wasn't playing or anything, and we was just kind of stage managing. Like, luckily, we still had that um, that wristband to get back backstage or whatever. Yeah, but it it was just mad, like just hanging out backstage with like Goon Patrol, and then like going doing the stage managing for the Subhumans, who like were massive fans of. And but like spending this afternoon evening with our with our uncles, Uncle Goobers, the Uncle Goobers. So Goober Patrol, if you read our Kerrang review, we got a. Uh, we, they said we sound like them. We don't. We really don't sound like Goober Patrol. <laughs> um, but Goober Patrol are a band. They were one of the first bands I ever saw outside of Manchester when I was 18. I saw them at a NoFX gig. They main supported, and I thought they were so much better than NoFX, it hurt. And I've just loved them. And I, one of the things I love about Goober Patrol is, again, they were just a small band who just fucking loved doing it. And they're a band that lived the dream, but they lived the very real dream. Like, they went and toured around the world and stuff. They, you know, they weren't playing in front of thousands of people every night, but they fucking went out there and did it. Like, it was just brilliant. And, um, you know, massive fans of their music. I'd only seen them once when I was 18, so it was the first time I'd seen them in years. I was kind of worried I might not ever get to see them again. Um, so it'd been yeah. five years. It'd been five years. Mike had obviously never seen him. Uh, not only did they play as a free piece, uh, played a really good set, played all the bangers. But then when we, back, you know, I knew Simon, um, you know, from the, you know, from chatting on the internet, but we'd never, we'd never properly met. And um, the most surprising thing was when we got backstage to sort of go and go and hang out with him and uh, enjoy a peace pipe together. Uh, yeah. was the fact that they were buzzing to meet us. Yeah, it was very weird, wasn't it? Like, they they weren't like... I didn't like... It was very much like, yeah, let's go and fucking hang out. And it was like this... Oh, thank you, Kyle. I've just been brought a coffee on my lovely radio show. I, you fans of the show, you may remember Kyle from the Big Punk show with Kyle and Jamie, which uh, took place for a few weeks. Anyway, so, Google Patrol, <laughs> um, it was like this... You know, there, there. You know, there was the three of them. There's the two of us. We're in a three piece, though. Um, yeah. And it was this coming together, this colliding of uh, two bands from two completely different eras with the exact same attitude on being in a band, and with both with incredible. St- I was very, very impressed with how our tour stories did go. Obviously, they have a lot more, and some of them are definitely better. But we went tour to tour yeah. with them. It was quite. We had a lot to chat about, and it was just, it was just fucking sound like you know. It sounds a bit daft or whatever because they again they're just normal fucking people. But like you know, this is a band that we really, really looked up to, and they were just like, yeah. honestly, it was like. You know when you you know when you hang out with someone, you're just like, oh, we're just mates now. Like the, you, we, yeah, like, you we all you, you like. Kind of like sorry, go on. No, I was just saying we all just got fucking smashed together. We just got on it, and it was so funny. Yeah, there's them people you just there's people you meet in anywhere in the fucking world where you just end up clicking with them. Like you don't. It's like you work, got the mate, same kind of patter as you, like the same kind of banter. It's like and it's like I don't when know, you, you just get. Sorry, go on. I say it's like when you make a mate at work. You know, you've always got one person at work you sound with. Yeah, definitely. And it's like an alliance, isn't it? It's like when it's like the mega powers when uh, Hulk Hogan and Randy Savage like teamed up. It really was and, like that. Actually, it did feel very much like that. I felt it was like. A, like no, go on. Go oh, on. Sorry, go on. No, I, I was going to say it was, um, 
it's like one where you, you very sometimes you're very quick to weigh some what, someone up who seems a lot like you when you're like, oh, hang on, they're they're very similar to us. Like, you know, in terms of attitude and like the, the certain things you find funny and the band you're into, and that you, that all becomes very clear in not a lot of time. Yeah, we sometimes. all all liked the same bands. Like, we all we just um, they were just fucking funny, and we were we were all we were all just off our nuts as well, like having a. You know, obviously not Simon because he's a teacher, but we were all just, you know, we were, it, I, I don't know, it was just brilliant. And fucking Uncle Tommy burned into my retinas, burned into oh, my retinas. Oh he won't, he won't mind this story at all. It, come, it comes with the comes with the territory. Uncle Uncle Tommy was whapping up a line backstage, and uh, in fairness to him, it was quite a sizable one, and he he was sort of pounding his way through it in parts. And I was like, fucking hell, do you want there, Tom? And he just looks at me and Mike and he just goes, I'm 50 fucking two, and then finishes it. And not that drugs are cool or impressive, but it was cool and impressive. Oh, yeah, no, it was, it was very much, um, it was, but I'm trying to think, you know, when you when older people do something and they're like, it's not cool and impressive, it was exactly that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It wasn't big or clever, but it was big and clever. Like, it was... Yeah, it, yeah. It was very... It was very funny. Yeah, it was. It, it was just, it was, it was just brilliant. And, um... Obviously, we hung out with uh, with Duncan a bit that day, and you know, uh, it's funny. Like, it's funny, Duncan, because we like, you know, obviously, we're, this is meant to now be our seven day wait till going on tour with Snuff, which is obviously very frustrating that's not happening because that's obviously a dream come true. But uh, you know, it's quite funny with Duncan because we 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 only have it. We'll, we'll spend like twenty minutes here and there with Duncan whenever we see him, whenever we, we bump into him, and we'll just fucking we just say nonsense. Just shoot the shit and just chat bollocks, isn't it? It is bollocks. It is bollock chatter. It's all ch- it's all chip shops. It's all chip shops and Motown. It's all chip shops and Motown. Absolutely. If you want to, if, if, <laughs> if you want to, if you want to, uh, if you want to have a good chat with Duncan Redmond, just talk about chip shops and Motown. You sorted. Yeah, absolutely. Don't talk about punk music. <laughs> that goes for most of them. That. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. But. Uh, uh, I, I, I don't think I like talking about punk music. No, I'm only joking, I do. No, we do. That's why we've got a show about it. Um, <laughs> so, we've got... Um, we've had a we've had a brilliant evening. We've had a load of fun. It's now time to go to work. We've got to go to work. We've got to go to the bread shed. Got to make sure the subhumans are all right and Sonic Boom 6, Harry Jan. The, the gang, the gang. There was another band. Uh, throwing lasagna? No, what were they called? Catch It Kebabs, uh, that's it. Catch It Throwing Lasagna. <laughs> <laughs> <I> fucking... <laughs> I knew it was How something. Did you get that? I don't know. I just knew it was something to do with food and throwing. <laughs> like our band. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Like our band. Um, but yeah, we were at this point. We were, you know, we, we were going. We were really going. We were me and Mike. We were fucked. We were having a jolly old time. Me and Mike uh, were very happy, drunks. Uh, we're very like. We're very silly. We just like having a laugh. Um, yeah. We just, just like we just do everything to make each other laugh. We're just stupid, so we're having a great time. And then it's like, right, okay, okay, we've got to go to work now. Um, get backstage. They're the subhumans, waiting, watching. We get the lowdown on what we need to do. It's our job to make sure that the bands go on on time, and it's make sure the backstage area is kept empty, and we supply the bands with water. Now, in life, you can't get everything you want. And we really embrace that. So we chose three things that we would do. Uh, and we really only did one of them. So, uh, sorry, we chose two of the three to do, but we really only did one. Uh, now, we chose that we would make sure the bands would go on stage on time 
uh, and we would also get water. Now, the water was the easiest thing to do consistently, and we did get a bit fixated on I don't know why we got so fixated on the water. I think it's because yeah. we drink a lot. You know, we, we were like, all right, if we were a band, what would we want? What would, what would really make us be like, fuck yeah, this festival's great. I can't believe how nice everyone was. So, you know, we, we wanted to, you know, take... We wanted to take care of uh, Mr. Lucas and the gang. Do you want to talk Absolutely. about the Champions League trophy? I do. I do want to talk about the Champions League trophy. So, in the bread shed, uh, you, you can get just water lying about on the side of the bar in these massive water canister things, and they're, very, they're big and clear. But they're a big four, like nozzle, four nozzle end on them, so you can fill up four cups at once. Oh yeah! Oh, great bit of logistics going on, and um, like. And basically, like, we had to go and keep filling the one for the backstage, but you have to go from the green room to the bar, which is on like, the other side of the venue entirely. And people were drinking a lot of water, which we seemed to notice. I don't know if it was just us drinking all the water, but everyone was just tanning it. Like, you go back into the it room... Was depleting rapidly. Minutes, it, was deple- it was depleting rapidly. Yeah, I feel like there was a lot of dry mouths. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Everyone was very parched. And um, I just had to keep basically just fucking running across the crowd with a full and then returning... Sorry, with an empty and then returning with a full, like, absolutely... Probably bigger than the Champions League. And it was a good trophy. six litres that it held. It was heavy. Oh, mate, it was well heavy. It was so <laughs> bangers to carry it. It, like, I felt like I was a bit on a fucking Torres and drop it off the top of the bus. <laughs> mate, honestly, <laughs> honestly... Going through a full crowd of about 300 heads to the bar, sweating your face off as well, like wide-eyed, like, can you fill the water up, please? And then having to take it back and it's sloshing around and it's going everywhere and oh, everyone's God. laughing at you and it's like, no, no. And you, you can see the backstage. There's just people's arms everywhere and shoulders and spiky jackets. And limbs. Oh, God, liberty spiking my eye. No, ah, blinded, blinded. Water... <laughs> Pouring, cascading all over the floor. Dick Lucas lapping it up like a cat. Everyone's gone insane. None of that happened because we smashed it. Yeah, and another thing that was quite funny when um when we was fucking we were putting beers out for all the bands. We were putting like apparently we were putting a lot of beers out for all the bands on the stage. Like we were putting like uh, four, four cans the, each. This is the thing, and right? We, we we were putting out four cups of water and three. So imagine you're on stage to play a forty-five minute set. All right. So think of think of an album you like from the eighties. Yeah, forty-five minutes, and you've got three beers and four waters. Now you're not just listening to these songs. You are having to play. No one's got that the amount. Of, you can't drink. Seven fluids. Well, that's like that's what McDonald's tell you to have in a fucking day. You can't drink seven seven vessels of fluid while playing a set. I'll take three waters up on a set just in case, yeah. And I only oh, yeah. ever get through half. I get through half max. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't know what. Yeah. I don't know why we thought people were going to be so fucking thirsty. I know what you mean, and, <laughs> and what was even funnier is um, we fucking. We was there taking it so seriously, like, we had to be on it, and it turned out that at the end of it, people were like, you know what you need to do after that? Or like, you know what you need to do? And we no, were like, no, it wasn't that they, no, as mentioned in part one, it wasn't, that they, it wasn't that they were like, you didn't need to do that. We were mocked. We were, ve- we were mocked. Oh, yeah. We were, ma- we, were made, we were made fools of by those we trusted most. We were was, we was very much giant gooseberries in the whole situation. Mm. 
Um, it was very funny though, and it was mad when um, me and you off our chins um, were saying about the subhumans. There was no cider backstage. If you're seeing Andy, get some cider. So um, you know, subhumans being from you know, was it South West Country, South aren't West they? Yeah, they like it. Who are like very lot of farm accents and that. And um, and like there was fucking and one of them asked for a pint of cider. There's like there's no cider about. So no, me, I didn't ask for me, a pint of cider. Again, I'll, I'll point this. I'll point this out i've told this story many times on this show oh yeah yeah there's no asking yeah yeah you don't understand mike's sweet little face this guy goes there's no cider back here mike finger snap point i'll get you one and he just got and then it's the way mike turned and just left but he didn't walk or run he went at this very intense pace where it wasn't a walk (laughs) it wasn't a run but you knew he was going somewhere for a reason like and he just pirouetted 180 degrees boom out the door like before anybody had a chance to be like oh no it's all right i'll get my mike goes comes back in a record speed with a very full but you can tell that he'd been pushed around in the crowd a bit pint of cider not only one but three and just dishes them out to the subhumans yeah out of his own blasted pocket yeah i was fucking like i'd die for a pint as well robbing bastards yeah can't do anything about that though yeah it's it's a labor of love it's a labor of love what can you say what drinking Uh, no i buy buying drinks oh right okay yeah and you know through the crowd that's all it's all works out um, but yeah fucking funny innit but yeah I remember watching and then I remember watching the subhumans once we'd stage managed because I think we ended once they went on and we didn't end we, we very much carried on working as, I don't know what we was doing but we was convinced we still had to work we were <laughs> it was just fucking nuts I remember just being stood there watching the subhumans being like this is well good uh, oh they just, were amazing and it's one of MVF at the time, like, there's a night, there's a point in the night where, like, everything just catches up to you and you're like, it's about, like, half one in the morning and maybe about two o'clock and it's just like, you don't even know what your fucking middle name is anymore. Like, Mate, people you were absolutely incoherent. We were stage managing and I'd be like, Mike, can you do this? And Mike would turn around, gormlessly look at you and then after about five seconds of the cogs processing the information, he'd be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then just vanish. Like, it, it, but you, you have like, you are in that state because you've been drinking all day and then you just get a bit lovey-dovey, don't you? You're just like, this is sick. This is so good. Like, you just, like, you just beam with pride for all the people who put it on. Oh, and you can't you can't really be annoyed at anything. There's nothing to be annoyed at. But, uh, I, I bet I could find great. something if I tried. So but... as well. You what? Sorry. What was that, sorry? I said I bet I could find something to be annoyed at if I tried. Oh, no, of course you could. You can get annoyed at fucking looking at a blank wall. Oh, yeah, I can't, I have to. <laughs> <laughs> well, Mike, that ends our... Uh... Our MPF memories, but there is something else I want to talk about. Now, the last time we spoke, uh, prior to this MPF stuff, Newcastle United, it was looking like they were going to get bought out, and I was I was quite excited, a uh, bit nervous, but it looks like it's going to go through. Now, I've done some reading on uh, the person who is going to have the 80% majority share in Newcastle United and I tasked Mike with doing some reading as well because I've there's something I really want to talk about here. Uh, Mike, you've been doing some reading. Would you like to talk about the Newcastle United takeover and who are the p- parties involved? Uh, 
Yeah, so from what I can gather, I've not been too clued up on this, but I've, I've heard about the takeover for a while, obviously, because you're an avid Newcastle supporter. Um, and I believe it's Mohammed bin Salman who's going to take over. Is, yeah. it, is that correct? He's going to take over Newcastle? So there's like Amanda Staley, or whatever she's called, uh, who yeah, yeah. helped negotiate the city uh, takeover. But Mohammed bin Salman, who's the crown prince, royal crown prince of Saudi Arabia, uh, he's he. It's basically him who's gonna who's gonna be predominantly running the club. Um, Absolutely. It will make Newcastle United the richest club in world football, pretty much. Um, and like you know, being a Newcastle fan is something I, I love. I love deeply because. You know, the entire time I've been a Newcastle fan, when I was a kid, they were good, Newcastle. I remember watching Newcastle play in the Champions League. Like I remember Shearer, Nobby Solano, Gary Speed, they were all doing the bit. You know, I remember Bobby Robson be, uh, getting sacked. You know, I remember Keegan's second run. Like, you know, and when Mike Ashley took over Newcastle, I was very young, um, but I was, you know, very much into football. And, you know, I remember uh, my granddad being like, oh yeah, this, you know, this billionaire, he owns... Sports Direct, uh, he's he's bought Newcastle, and obviously the you know they, they started dropping a bit of money, um, but Newcastle they're not a team you know they've been relegated twice in thirteen years, um, they're not the best team in the world at all, and a lot of the football's been shit, but the supporters are the best supporters in the world because. And it's not like I'm not from Newcastle, and I have this. The team that you like, yeah. you like taking the piss out of your own team when you're a Newcastle fan because you have to. And it's the attitude and the spirit of the city that, and and the, you know, Newcastle United are a very working class football team. Newcastle's a very working class area, right? And that football team means so much to that city. It is an institutional part of that city's culture. That football team, it's amazing, and part of that you know part of loving loving that and supporting that and supporting the club is laughing at how shit they are now mike ashley obviously is a fucking horrendous cunt he's a horrendous cunt you only have to look at the way he's treated his staff during uh, the covid19 debacle um as we should as i'm calling it for i don't know why but uh, you know he He's a piece of shit, right? And he's not ran Newcastle well at all. And, you know, this last season, there was chats of uh, this Saudi buyout happening um, and Newcastle being taken over. And when it actually just sort of fell away, a lot of Newcastle fans started boycotting the club because they were, you know, they weren't going to give Mike Ashley any of their money, um, which you have to respect people for. Now, I don't know tons about Mohammed bin uh, Salman. I don't know tons. But Saudi Arabia at the moment is coming under a lot of scrutiny for humanitarian uh, infringements. Um, It's a country where you can get stoned to death uh, for being gay. The Mohammed bin Salman in, you know, He's, he was considered quite liberal under Saudi sort of standards because obviously he's let women drive. So that's kind of going his way. But there are a lot of humanitarian uh, uh, issues going on at present. And Mike's got a, just a list of a few of them. Yeah, I did a little bit of research. I couldn't really... I do, there's a lot of bull, There's a lot of fucking shy papers. So I, I went down to Wikipedia. 
I just, I just, I knew I could get an easy list there. Okay. And, so um, this is readily available information. This. So this, this is like very. This isn't covered up. This is very well known. What's happened? Um, with the most recent of the hacking of Jeff Bezos's phone, um, which he was responsible for, as well. I didn't as, know uh, that. Kyle, did you know? Did you know the the Crown Prince of Saudi Arabia hacked Jeff Bezos's phone? Really? Yeah. Wow. That's interesting. Yeah, on the twenty second of January this on year. On the twenty second of January this year. Fucking hell. Okay. Yeah, and um, it's yeah, it's fucking pretty nuts. And it was um, there's that. Then there's also the murdering of a journalist. Yeah, well, that is actually linked to that. Um, I've got it here. It says, according to forensic evidence, um, the owner's phone was targeted um, with the malware containing the video message months before the murder of um, Jamal Khashoggi. That's what he said. So, That's for a bit of context, there. Uh, he used to be, I'm sure he used to be involved in uh, politics, but he's became a journalist and he was very critical of uh, the Crown Prince of Saudi Arabia uh, and unfortunately was murdered. And Saudi Arabia, uh, they sort of changed the story a few times with what happened. Um, they sort of, first of all, they denied it and then they were like, oh yeah, it happened. And then they kind of were like, yeah, we fucked up, but it's got nothing to do with the Crown Prince. So it's been a, it's been a, you know, it's a massive issue. Um, the same things happen with wrestling that a lot of people don't want to watch uh, WWF anymore uh, or WWE, sorry, um, because of their involvement with Saudi Arabia. Um, I, I don't like. I would like to point out that uh, when I'm not having a go at the people of Saudi Arabia here at all, it's not it's not any reflection on them what their. Uh, what their crown prince is doing and what they're involved in. But I'll tell you what it does Absolutely. affect. I'll tell you what it does affect and what I will judge is it does affect Newcastle United. Now, football is very much a commodity and the billionaires are looking in at football now to make money off it. And clubs being bought is just by billionaires is just how it's going to go. The problem is, is that you know, the Mike Ashley thing, I did still support Newcastle the whole way through as much as I hate Mike Ashley. But what this, it, this really, this problem, the problem is, is that when you support a football team, what you're effectively supporting is a business and it's equity. The business ran by the chairman and the equity being the manager and the players. Yeah, that's what you're supporting. You can support a team's history or you know, as much as you like, you know, and you can, you know, I, I can look back at uh, Newcastle when I was a kid and support that, or like, you know, if you were a Liverpool fan, you might look back at the 80s and love the club for the history. You can love all of that, but I really, really, really can't b bring myself to, like, openly support a team that's be that is owned and controlled yeah. by an establishment that has just got so many um, discrepancies against them on humanitarian issues. And this is the thing is like, you know, 
I know this sounds like I know this sounds obviously there's people being fucking stoned to death for being gay. This isn't the big this isn't the biggest problem that this is facing. But to me, you know, for me it's like I love Newcastle United. Really do. I love football, but I only love football because of Newcastle. Like I really and I'm not someone who watches every game. I won't just put on the Champions League cuz the Champions League on. Sometimes I'll do that. But I I love Newcastle United and I love supporting them and I'm not asked that the shit. And honestly, I'm Dying for this uh, buyout to be blocked by the Premier League because I genuinely don't know. Like, well, I won't be. Able, I, I I just don't think I would be able to support Newcastle anymore. And it's like that's such a weird thing. Like I, it's like Berry fans. It's like what a weird thing to happen when you're 24. Because it's not like know, when you're yeah. a kid and you can just like you know. When I was a kid, I was being brought up a United fan before I came a Newcastle fan. It's, I can't go back to being a United fan. I've I've fucking hated Man United. I've spent <laughs> I've, I've spent like 15 years of my my life hating Man United just because I lived like next door to all. Trafford I can't just be going, well it's my local team do you know what I mean like I can't just yeah, be, I yeah. can't just suddenly be like yeah nah I love Wayne Rooney do you know what I mean like oh yeah I love Nanny Nanny's sound <laughs> I used to love fucking, yeah oh I love Phil Jones do you know what I mean I don't want that oh yes Jesse Lingard come on my son I don't I, right. United are like just a team that like I don't. They just. They're just the team like, that won straight. everything. All United are to me is the team that won everything. They were just, and that is, yeah. and it's amazing. And it is like, it, you know, I do. I have a soft spot for both Manchester teams because I'm from fucking Manchester and because they mean a lot to this city. And I re, I, and I do like it. It is so romantic. Uh, Manchester United's domination of football was also at the time Manchester was dominating music and just the coolest place in the world. It, do you know what I mean? You've got like, but you've oh, yeah. also the United football team. Obviously, you know you've got Bex in there. But before that, you had fucking Steve Bruce. Do you know what I mean? It's like that. Yeah. You know, you've got Steve Bruce, Giggsy, Neville. Like you've got the local lads, the old guard. You know, you've got fucking Cantona in there for a few years like it was you know it, it's quite glamorous it's cool it, it, it is just cool but I just like I, I really would look like I've a lot of Newcastle fans like you know I, you see a lot of news articles now about Newcastle it's very much the in news in sport and you read comments and there's not a lot of people bringing up these issues when it comes to supporting the club and I'm just like I'm like is this like you know you when you when I was watching the Damned United and you're looking at Billy Bremner having a fucking fag on his like you know and like half time or at training and stuff and you're like yeah, yeah footballers used to be fucking really normal people like really yeah. really normal people and now they're just not now they they are like trained killing machines footballers footballers are in such better nick than they used to be. It's unbelievable. There is no fucking chance Gary Neville would have won a Champions League if he was playing today. Like, great player in his day. Amazing player in his day. Did his job perfectly. But he's not got the fucking legs for today's football. It's insane. Tactics are insane now. Every team used to, in England, used to just play fucking 4-4-2. If you play 4-4-2 now, people, like, spit at you. Like, it's it's a joke. Like, the game's changed so much in, like it really really has been gent- football has just been gentrified and it's just like it's fucking taking the the life out of me man like i really want to 
I've, I want to be so buzzing about Newcastle potentially being the next Manchester City. I, I would love nothing more than that. I'd love, and the fact that they want to keep Steve Bruce, Steve Money Bruce. Oh my God! Know, yeah. the, the fucking chip shot binges. It'd be in, it'd be insane. Could like you have all of these prospects of like obviously they're not going to be able to sign Mbappe straight away and stuff like that. But they might bring in someone like Gareth Bale and just pay him a fuckload of money because his contract's running out and do what City did. They might bring in like, you know, they brought in like Gareth Barry and that. Maybe they'd get Jack Graylish or, you know, someone like that, you know, some, obviously, I hope not Jack Graylish because he's a bad cunt, <laughs> but he's a bad cunt. But, you know, someone of that kind of calibre, you know, bringing in like really good, decent players, but having Steve Bruce still be the manager, like spending a bit of dosh, like, who cares if it goes to shit? Like, Joe Linton, Joe Linton went to shit. I, like, it, but because of how shit Joe Linton was, you've got Alan St. Maxim, who's scored three goals, but he's my hero. Like, he's the only decent player. It's like, I miss that. It's like Pardew's team that finished fifth. It was like, they were the underdogs. And Newcastle, Newcastle United, one of the reasons why I love them so much is they are the ultimate underdog. They've always been the underdog. And it's like, you know... people like an underdog story because at some point in your life unless you're born with the most silver of spoons in your mouth you're gonna be the underdog you know and it's like when football was just fucking regular people and it was just fucking lads from Newcastle whose dads were minors and shit and it's them winning and it's them doing it and it's them being the underdogs these underdogs in life and now underdogs in sport it's like Blackburn Rovers like or Leicester City like these stories are, are great and it's drama you know football like if you if you were to tell the someone of you could very easily dramatize the history of a lot of football teams like it it is. It's it, it's like soap opera. It's wrestling, but real. Do you know what I mean? There is so much drama in football. It's oh, absolutely. It, it's a mental thing. Football. It really is mental. Um, and it and it just. It's such a shame that I really feel like much like a nice fucking Victorian looking city. It's just going to go the way of the dodo because it's just going up. Like football, much like cities, it's expanding upwards. And if you come in, just put full of money and it's forgetting lifeless. It's just, yeah, it's like, just like with gentrification, normal people will just get left behind, like, and, you know, obviously the area surrounding city, city's ground, has been improved. The tram line's sick. Like, you know, Miles Platten's had a bit of gentrification oh, yeah. done. And, you know, there are good points to that. There are, there are positives to it, but... You know, when you're dealing with murderers and you're dealing with cunts like Mike Ashley and you're dealing with these callish, shrewd business people running clubs that are supported by very normal working class people the separation is like it's insulting like you know you've got like it's just like the way how people voted Tory and voted Brexit like you see people defending footballers not like footballers not having to take wage cuts at clubs to support the non-playing staff and shit and it's the and the people who were like supporting that are like people who were skinning out the fucking mind and I'm like I'm like no I'm like Jesus Christ, just because fucking Marcus Rashford's good at football doesn't mean he needs 375 grand a year. Like, it's just not like, you know, give him 150 grand a year. Or or what what if he has to sell his mansion? He can move into a slightly smaller mansion. Like, you know. Oh, mate, it does mean stuff like that. Yeah, it's like, 
I can't feel sympathy for people having to live slightly less luxurious lives. And the other thing is, is when p- people are like, oh, yeah, well, after you're a footballer, that's it then. That's it. You know, you need all that money because you can't do anything after you've been a footballer. Yes, you fucking can. Yeah. You can go and get a coaching license or you can go on TV. Danny fucking Murphy is on Match of the Day. Ian Wright, Alan Shearer, Danny Murphy. Who the fuck cares? I don't care what you've got to say about football, Danny Murphy. I do not care what he's got to say about football at all. No one has. Ian Wright and Shearer are having a chat. Like, they can... Like, you may as well have me on Match of the Day. You Really, really, with Danny Murphy, you may as well have me. Like, it's just ridiculous. Danny, if you're listening, fuck off. (laughs) You should get that in there. But yeah, it's just uh, it's just mad. I would love to know um, what you think about uh, what's happening at Newcastle United uh, and what's happening with football in general. If you if you sort of share my anguish or if you think I need to just get on with it, either way, I'd be quite interested to hear that opinion. So if you want to write to us on our Facebook page, that'd be sound. Mike, it's been fucking lovely chatting to you, mate. Um, I probably won't ring you and go on for a walk. Uh, oh no, I will do actually. I'm going to go for a walk and I'll ring you because we we can have we can have we can have a, a couples chat. Oh, yeah, definitely. But, uh, yeah, it's been brilliant chatting to you. Uh, if you'd like to sign us off for the evening, please do. Everybody, thanks so much for listening. Yeah, big up. Um, I hope, yeah, doesn't say, that's just Jamie saying, sorry. If you um, hit us up on Facebook and see what your opinions are to do with the, the Newcastle, in inverted commas, shit going on, um, tell us your thoughts. We'll have a chat, fuck it. Um, yeah, look after yourselves as always. Like just very terrifying bit of world at the minute but if you can keep yourself going and keep the ones around you safe and sound that's all that matters look after yourselves big love to one and all big love to anyone's listening if you've got a product that you want to fucking uh, want us to like promote on the show market you know do a bit of digital marketing via sound waves get in touch and we'll you know work out a deal of some kind and you can yeah we'll just promote your products and it, it can be sponsoring the big punk show how good's that? You know, it's like on a football shirt, but radio. Big love to the key workers. Thank you.